and next four years. I'm going to get a lot of them, I think. I've planned it like 12. <laughs> I'll bring some in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can we talk about that in the meeting? I think we'll be interested. Okay. We'll get started. <laughs> I just figured I want I couldn't quite snoop. So <laughs> um, tonight is Tuesday, April twenty third, and this is the Petaluma Planning Commission, and we'll get started with the roll call, please. Councilmember Miller? Here. Amber Crombie? Present. Elias? Here. Miller? Present. Pierre? Here. Johnson? Wolpert? Okay, thank you. There's an approval of minutes, and Alicia, or Commissioner Miller and I were not here, so it looks like we could still have a quorum if there's a motion from the remainder of you. Okay, second? Okay, and a vote, I guess. All right. <laughs> All right, good. We're done with that one. Um, public comment. This is for comments that are not on the agenda items tonight. So if there's anybody wishing to speak not pertaining to an agenda item. Okay, seeing none, we'll close the public comment period for non-agendized items and move to the planning manager's report, please. Sure, I have a couple items. Uh, the David on draft EIR was heard before the council on the 15th. Um, there was a, a lot of members of the public there as was at this hearing body. Um, council took those comments, provided comments, and directed staff to work towards the final EIR. Looking forward at the council meeting on May 6th, the station area master plan will be coming before the council, um, as well as the riverfront fiscal and economic impact analysis. Um, and then, Looking forward to the next Planning Commission meeting. We do have agenda items on the next probably three solid Planning Commission meetings, so that's good. Um, the 14th of May will be um, a PCN for Target is what's on that agenda. Um, and then I also just wanted to let the Commission know that um, Leslie Thompson retired last week, um, so she will no longer be our trustee counsel for the Planning Commission. Eric Danley is here tonight, but I'm not sure as of yet if he will be a regular fixture or if we will have another another um, attorney to help us to help us through. So um, Leslie has retired and is moving to um, Minnesota. Minnesota to enjoy retirement. So we wish her well. And that's all I have. Okay, thanks. And Commissioner Liaison Report, starting with Councilmember Miller. We have two Millers. Okay. Um, actually, uh, Heather talked about just about everything that I was going to talk about in terms <laughs> of what was going on in the City Council, so I won't uh, repeat that. Um, Butter and Egg. Butter and Egg Days Parade this Saturday. Um, also, the Antique Fair is on Sunday. So everybody, come on out. It'll be fun. Um, we're selling these cute little buttons. They're $5 a piece. Um, there are several locations in town where you can get them. And they go to support the parade. So I encourage you to, uh, to buy one. And I encourage you to come on out to the parade and, 
and check out all the floats and everybody in the parade and then come back on Sunday for the antique fair. That's it. Thank you, Commissioner Abercrombie for a PBAC. Um, yes, at our last PBAC meeting was uh, the third, and we talked about North McDowell Commons. They're adding 35 units, and we were very happy with the way they had done the pedestrian and bike paths on there. It, if anything, we had some comments to how they were orientated to Capri Creek, but I imagine we'll be seeing that coming up. You, you'll likely be seeing that um, the second meeting in May. Okay. Is that an EIR? No, it's not. Do we have any EIRs in the next three meetings? No. Okay, thanks. Um, also, I wanted to point out that it's Bike to Work Day, May 9th, and I wanted to encourage people to bike to work, if at all possible and safe. Um, and then on May 11th is the Kids Grand Fondo. Um, that's available to all elementary school age children. It'll be starting at Lucchese Park at 9, I believe, is the time you can get there. But to register to go online, it's stephencozaraceforkids.org. 80% um, of the proceeds that the kids generate go to their school's PTA. 20% um, goes to kids that are, um, I think there's six at this time that are designated with health issues that could benefit from the financial help. Um, a lot of the kids have written their own bios that are on the website. So it's really interesting to learn more about the challenges and excitement that's happening in our community. Um, thank you. Commissioner Elias, Tree Committee. Yeah, the tree committee um, met last week, and I went to the meeting, and I got called on an emergency, so I wasn't able to stay, and so I don't have anything to report right now. Okay. Thank you. Nothing, and you're smart. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, so we will move on to agenda item number six, which is the public hearing for new business. This is regarding the review um, of the Petaluma Public Art Master Plan and revisions to the IZO. And you're, are you going to give that staff report? I am. Okay. It's a it's a low tech night, so no PowerPoint Down tonight. With it. Thank um, you. So before you for consideration tonight are three components of Petaluma's public art program: uh, a draft public art master plan, proposed amendments to Chapter 18 of the ICO, which is the section of the ICO that deals with the requirements for public art, and um, modifications to the enabling legislation for the Public Art Committee. All three of these items will go before the council for decision, so uh, the role of the commission tonight is for a recommendation to the council on those three items. So I thought I'd take them in order, um, starting with the master plan. I wanted to give you a couple, couple comments. The map that's at the back of the master plan. The committee is in the process of updating that, so there will be an updated version, a more complete version of that before this would get to the council, so that's something that's underway. We also have the artist for the mural on the cover. That was another detail. And then page 16, responsibilities of departments and commission, that will be filled in. We were it was kind of, we were kind of waiting for the enabling legislation and see how that worked and then we will be folding some of those into it so that is another um, area that will be added um, and in turn that will fix the errors on the table of contents that's all formatted and when those aren't in there it was coming up as an error so those are some kind of edits that will be happening um, the master plan is a culmination of a lot of work by the Petaluma Public Art Committee. 
So I wanted to introduce Annie Knight, who is the chair of that committee, so that she could kind of provide an overview of the process they went through, their um, purpose in this master plan, answer any specific questions. The committee has been without a staff liaison for a number of years, so they've done much of this work on their own. So she's going to be, she and we have a couple other members of the committee here too, will be better equipped to answer some of your questions on the history, um, the process that they took. Um, and then following that, I would be happy to walk through the ICO amendments with the commission. Yeah, Commissioner Lyth. Is this a is this a draft master plan or is it the master plan? Well, they do not have a master plan at the moment. So it is the draft that the committee. This is the, the draft public art master plan. Yes. Now. Okay. There is not one adopted at the moment. Yes. Thank you. So this is Annie Knight. She's the chair of the public art committee. Hi, my name's Annie Knight, as you said. My husband and I are raising our family here in Petaluma. I'm a museum professional as well as the chair of the Public Art Committee. Um, with the passage of the Public Art Ordinance in 2005, the committee was charged with developing a master plan for the, for the city that would serve as guiding principles for moving forward. When I joined the committee um, four years ago, the founding members had already started the process. They had done interviews um, with an online, well, they had an online survey and then hosted a public forum. Uh, when I joined the committee, um, our next steps then were to conduct key person interviews and um, and we researched other master plans of cities with vibrant arts um, or arts programs and um, we hired the assistance of a consultant. What the master plan does is offer the committee guiding principles for future projects um, by identifying sites we found important to community members such as gateways, waterways, parks, plazas, pedestrian, recreational pathways, and roadways. Um, we would commit our time and our assets to creating art projects that were vibrant and enhanced our urban city, um, surfacing as important goals of community members were projects that reflect Petaluma's past, present, and future as well as our regional artists, international artists, and creativity and innovation in the arts. The function, functioning of this committee will be enhanced by the proposed amendment modifications that clarify um, applicability and requirements for public art as part of the private and public art developments. Um, we have also streamlined the review process for proposals and how the committee will better interact with the city and um, and what I'm most excited about is our new, newly appointed liaison position. Um, next steps for the committee moving forward is to begin outreach and educational phase. As Heather indicated, we'll be updating, uh, updating and maintaining um, public art site on the city web 
website will work with our city liaison, liaison to enhance the public art information that's provided to developers as well as um, have an updated guide and map for our um, community members and visitors to the city to walk around and see our great art projects. Um, I believe this is an exciting time for Petaluma Art Committee and the city. Uh, I think we're ready now with this master plan to begin moving forward and placing some really great art around town. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions with Heather's help and my, my other committee members if needed. Other questions? Can I just add for clarification, um, the art committee finds themselves in a position where they've got money in their public art fund. So it's the first time I think ever <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that there's money in, in that. So this document is kind of a, some ideas, some priorities of where they'll go to take those in lieu fees that have come in and actually end up with public art in public places. So um, that's really exciting for this group. How much money is in the art is in the fund? Do you know? Uh, just under three hundred thousand. <coughs> I have a question. Oh, do you, go ahead. Um, I just had a question. Thanks. First of all, thank you because I'm really grateful for it. When I was reading it, I just got really excited because four years ago, when you talked about joining it, I was liaison briefly from the recreation, music, and parks, and it was a discussion we were having, and it was exciting to see it come to fruition, so thank you, because I know it took a lot of time and energy. Um, I wanted to know, you mentioned the noticing process for getting public input, and I was wondering how you guys are planning to pursue that, and maybe I'll just ask both my questions at once. And the other one was um, from revisions of chapter 18, um, you talked about the type of people that will be on the art committee for this reviewing process, and um, you mentioned three art professionals, and I was just wondering, because I know I've seen on different boards where people don't necessarily apply with a level ex of expertise, so I just wanted to get an idea of what happens if that doesn't come to, to light, that three rise up. I hope they do. So. <laughs> well, it's the city council that vets the committee members. Um, we hope that people for, with an arts background, some arts management, um, um, will apply for the positions. And, and, and I think with this master plan and a new, newly dedicated commitment to the committee that it'll be um, in everyone's mind to select the best possible candidates for the for serving on the committee. Um, your, your first question was the noticing process. Um, that we will do a call for artists and have um, if if it's artwork in a certain area of the town there might be certain stakeholders for that site as well as um, local community members so each process is unique but will be very inclusive of of seeking community input support and voting on projects I didn't get your name. Annie. Ann? Annie. Annie. How do you do? So I got a few marks in here and I wanted to just get some <clears throat> some light shined on these items. On page six it talked about 
the uh, February 2007 PPAC launched an online public art survey, and I think you mentioned that in your opening remarks. And there were over 150 people who participated in that. And it goes on to talk about <clears throat> the Petaluma and community supporting an, uh, supportive of public art. And I'm not adverse to public art. I think public art is a good thing, so don't get me wrong mm -hmm. here. But I want to understand how 25 people can be representative of the community. And because that's what that's saying in this document. Um, on page seven. Page seven, okay. Bottom of that six. second line. It says there were 150 people that participated in the survey and that approximately 25 people were in attendance at the community center. So it's, if, for me, to have representation of the community, it seems you need more people than that. Because this is, I mean, this is a very small amount. Probably back then in 2007, what was the population then? It was, you know, you were probably less than a half of a percent here. Yes, I know. Yeah. Um, as well, there's stakeholder interviews. As well, there's stakeholder inter interviews on top of that 25. Um, the, the survey is how I learned about the Public Art Committee and became interested in it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I guess when you hold a public forum, you're kind of subject to who arrives. Uh, was a noticed meeting, mm -hmm. as well. Um, you know, we've been working on this for about five, four years, four to five years, and at at different points, um, people from the community have attended our our public art committee meetings and um, voiced concerns and input. And, and I agree that it would be nice if there had been a greater participation. I, in I this. agree. You know, I mean, that's a, <clears throat> I, I'm sorry that there was such a small turnout for that. The, regarding the um, further down on that page, the input regarding these topics was gathered in over 30 key person interviews. Was that 30 different people, or was that one person that was interviewed 30 times? <laughs> 30 different people. Yeah. Does that need clarification there? <laughs> and, yeah, thanks. And what was the background of these people? Um, they're, they're listed in the back of the master plan. And um, they're city officials. They, they were neighborhood um, people, people representing the different committees okay. and commissions, um, east side, west side, mm -hmm. <laughs> north, okay. south. So we tried to identify a broad spectrum, um, business um, leaders, as well as arts organizations in town. Okay. Um, going on through this document of the draft master plan, I have a note here on page 11. <clears throat> it talks about the um, art in private development in that section. It says applicants for private development projects subject to the public art ordinance will be required to either pay the applicable in lieu fee prior to the issuance of a building permit or incorporate public art into the project and receive approval from the PPAC or designee that is the proposed artwork meets applicable criteria. So does this mean a project is can be held up because they do not pay the fee. Is that is that how that's? That's the current requirement. Um, so that's not new in this. This is in the ordinance currently. So it basically says for non-residential projects, 
right. of a value of 500000 or greater, mm-hmm. they're required to either pay an in-lieu fee that's 1% mm-hmm. of, of the project cost or incorporate art equivalent to 1% into the project. Okay. And, and that is required to either be paid prior to issuance of building permit or showing you know the proposal and the contract with an artist and so the, if they choose to do it on their project themselves mm-hmm. that pr- whatever whatever they choose to do is still goes through the PPAC and it has to be approved correct it is approved with the criteria that are outlined in chapter 18 so it's real specific criteria it's not um, a I, I like it or I don't like it it's it's more is it is it done by an artist is it not mass-produced is it durable is it um, and come with a maintenance plan so, the, so they don't get into the aesthetic of it correct so it's whatever it, the it, artist prepares and proposes as long as it meets those those defined criteria. criteria. I think there is one that says something. Um, I don't have it in front of me. Let's see, something about it being well integrated, well integrated mm-hmm. with the to size, scale, so per- right. personal right. scale. Yeah. So That's you know something that at. makes it and compatible the, with the development, yeah. but it's not. Uh, this it's came up. This came up uh, when we were looking at the um, the new fire station. That mm-hmm. was proposed for the boulevard, and they u- th- there were some elements on the building that were being put forth as the art component for that property. So, does does the does the ordinance take into account that the building itself can be the piece of art? It's can I comment on that? Sure. And. and uh, Mr. Danley may correct me on this, but but uh, in the IZO, the authority, it's referencing Ehrlich versus the city of Culver City. If I remember that case clearly, uh, Stephen Ehrlich was the architect, and that was his argument that an architect should be able to design a building and in a, de- a decorative style that it should be considered artwork. <coughs> and I think um, he won that case and his building was allowed to stand as public art, mm-hmm. at least on the facade. So mm-hmm. we're this, referencing this in our IZO, so I assume the same would apply. Uh, I'd be happy to respond to that. Um, we, we, refer, we actually refer to the Ehrlich case more to distinguish the public art program and fee from uh, development fees under the Mitigation Fee Act because the, er, the, the core holding in Ehrlich was um, uh, fees l- like that on which th- um, Petalumas is modeled are not subject to the Mitigation Fee Act, but they're more like in the nature of a, a legitimate zoning type requirement. So that's how Petalumas is modeled. Um, I, think, I, I don't think it's a state law requirement as to what counts as public art or not even though that, that I don't recall, but I, I, I'm sure you're right that that was addressed in the early case. So, so the way we address that in, in the ordinance that's before the Planning Commission tonight is in section 18.30 in the definitions under subdivision E. And this is an issue that we actually tried to clarify. That was one of the many that we tried to clarify um, 
in this exercise that's focused on um, helping provide better support to the activities of the committee and also um, integrating the legislative pieces that, that support the committee um, and implement the program. In the past, there had been some um, um, dissonance, I'll say, between the public art ordinance and the enabling legislation for the committee with respect to that question. In other words, can decorative elements count as art for purposes of this of these requirements, or does it have to be a separate piece to just sort of boil that down? And and you, if you look at E, it's sort of answered to say the uh, decorative elements can count. It says original works of art that meet the requirements of section 18.120 including but not limited to a list a bunch of different uh, types of media. Um, it says public art may include furnishing or fixtures. It used to be that, that was they weren't permitted. It's like so you couldn't have a bench that satisfied or something. Um, public art may include furnishings or fixtures permanently fixed to buildings or building grounds, including but not limited to works fixed to or comprising gates, walls, railings, streetlights, or walkways or seating, so long as they're created by an artist that otherwise meet the requirements of section 18.120. Public art may also include architectural features of a building, artistic or aesthetic elements of overall building architecture or landscape design if created by an artist, so long as such features or elements otherwise meet the requirements of section 18.120. And then there's some exclusions, um, mass-produced objects, um, decorative elements that are not um, um, d done by an artist and don't otherwise meet the requirements, um, landscape architecture, that don't other, uh, otherwise meet the requirements, directional elements, and logos. So, so the debate, um, so, I mean, it's probably better for me to say, um, the policy um, that that language reflects um, addresses the debate of sort of what's called art pour la art, or art for its own sake versus um, functional art. Um, basically um, reflects a position that functional art can count as long as it meets these criteria. So it's kind of a middle ground position. And that's not to say, you know, that's not something that the, the, the plan Commission can, can weigh in on. The council may view differently also. Um, but that's what's reflected in this document. But that's why I asked the question. I was trying to, I'm trying to find a way of navigating through, because this is going to come up. And it did come up in with the with the balcony railing on the um, the fire station, as I recall. And I think there was also some panels on one of the walls that was going to be exposed to the public, um, just kind of like two dimensional stuff. Uh, the railings were discussed as being the element, being one of the or one of the elements in that in that project as being the art. And if those railings could be then I mean, produced. Um, and put on there, they would satisfy it. So will the PPAC, are they going to, are they going to, is the PPAC going to scrutinize that and say, well, that can't be the art piece? Well, they could because these, these they're going to make that call in the first instance subject to appeal to the council and they've got this language to guide them. I mean, the, the way I, I read this, it says, Decorative elements can count, but they've got to meet these criteria. And, and, and one of them is that they've got to be um, created by an artist. So uh, in, in, in response to uh, Commissioner Wolpert's question, and this, this may not be what this body wants to recommend to the council, but um, 
I don't think it would be sufficient for the for an architect design decorate at least under this language. I'm not make, taking a position. <laughs> I'm, I'm not taking. I'm not expressing a view. I'm just saying under this language, um, um, a decorative element designed by an ar ar architect may not meet the criteria. Well, what if it, what if the architect uh, commissions an artist to design an element for I, his building? Then I think it would meet the criteria based on just that how. What? Then I think it would meet these criteria. Then it would meet the criteria. I think so. The so way the, archi it. the architect can't also be the artist. In that situation, yes. Okay. And well, and I I think the other thing is is if you look at how artist is defined, it's that's what you kind of have to go back to is how you're defining artist. An artist is pretty. Um, it seems to me like it's it's pretty um, broadly defined. It does leave a little bit of wiggle room there, which is probably a good thing right. um, <laughs> instead of you know black and white. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of it just stems from how you're going to define artist. And I was going to add that um, the Deer Creek project has been has met with the public art committee twice, and on Thursday is going to be meeting with them for a third time dialoguing and refining their public art proposal for that site. One of the things that they have proposed and the art committee was very supportive of it were benches that were metal benches made by an artist. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very functional piece, but the art committee looked at it, looked at who was making it, determined that that person qualified as an artist, and that these, although functional, qualified as public art. So that's a kind of an example of um, something being incorporated and the scrutiny that it went through at the public art committee and I think kind of went through a successful process and hopefully will be a very interesting aspect it's been to a that project. Yeah, that and that's, uh, I think a lot of what we've talked about too, the committee so far has seen that project as a bit of a success in terms of starting with that initial dialogue, providing suggestions, having the applicant come back and have incorporated those suggestions and continuing that dialogue even now post entitlement. So um, when we've talked about the ideal process, I think we're learning some too by some of the processes that we've gone through recently mm -hmm. and seeing those as successes. So can we talk about the process? So would it be similar to what you're seeing with Deer Creek where it's, it comes to us, we approve, you know, we do the planning commission, the site plan review, it goes back to the public art committee at that point for negotiation and approval under these criteria. So in other words, the commission or the council are never actually, unless there's an appeal, are ever checking or using the plan similar to how we use ISO or a general plan to check that the project's consistent with. Correct. Um, although, um, what we try to do is early on in an application, we would talk to the applicant about this requirement. It's usually something we try to bring up like in a completeness letter. If we don't see any mention of public art and we know this would qualify, we will say something like, this project appears to fall within the requirements of the public art. Your option is in Luffy or to incorporate. We encourage you to incorporate early on in the process so that we can also, sometimes that can impact site design. You know, if you're going to incorporate pedestals along 
the creek walkway or um, something out at a corner, mm -hmm. you know, you want to make sure that that's kind of thought at, at that stage. So at that level, if somebody, if an applicant said, well, I'd like to incorporate it as part of my project, we'd be asking them to identify that and hopefully even go for consultation with the Public Art Committee before it even came to you guys so that we could at least say they've gone for initial consultation with the Art Committee, talked about it, um, but the actual specifics are likely to happen after the entitlement before this body or the council going back. Okay, because, yeah, I'm just concerned that what would happen is that they don't get a chance to review it, and so then we get a project in front of us that says we're going to incorporate public art. We've got an adopted master plan, public art master plan, and I feel like even though it's none of the, the IZO or the plan is calling out the planning commission as having that responsibility, I feel like we would still have the responsibility to, to identify if we think it's consistent or not with the applicable plans, policies of the city. Because... You know what I mean? There's nobody else saying to us, okay, this is, gets a pass. You know, like we do, like PBAC, for example, and we get conditions of approval from them that get incorporated. But if absent that, and knowing there's an applicable plan, do we become the, the do we become the people checking the criteria? The, the way this scheme would work as, as it's presented to the commission tonight, um, if you look at sections, what are identified in the ordinance as sections 18.140 and 18.130, you see that they make the uh, PPAC an entitling body with respect to satisfaction of the public art requirements under section um, 18.120. So if you take a look at this is, it's not paginated, I don't think in your set, but section 18.140B, says uh, presentation of a valid and binding contract to commissioner purchase and install the required public art on the site development site um, and a written approval of the proposed art from the PPAC that certifies that the proposed public art satisfies the requirements of section 18.120 those are the requirements that's one of the requirements that needs to be satisfied to get a building permit and then section 18.130 indicates that the council is the appellate body if um, if the applicant opposes the PPAC's determination. So that's a direct delegation to them um, under the ordinance, and so it wouldn't be the purview of the Planning Commission. You, I, I think it would be typically the case, as Heather indicated, that um, if there's information in the project design coming to you for your action, such as where pieces are intended to go, whether there's already some elaboration of what they're supposed to be, what form they're gonna take, um, that would be part of the information before you, but the, the, um, at least in terms of how this is structured right now, the determination about compliance would be of the PPAC. Okay. Question? Or so can I just follow up on that, though? So on page 11 of the master plan, it says that um, under art and private development, the PPAC or a designee. And who is that? Just a staff person? What is that? There's a various references to authority provided to a designee of the PPAC. Well, I guess I guess it could be a staff person. Like if the PPAC said, you know, um, a design comes before them, they reach a conclusion that it meets the requirements. Uh, maybe they have some direction about a couple changes or something. They might. I could conceive of them um, if they're comfortable 
um, issuing their taking their actions subject to staff being satisfied as to a change or something similar to sometimes when you guys approve a site plan subject to a condition that X Y and Z will happen and then that kind of gets delegated to staff too but I, I should add and this is very important um, in the in the package in the legislative package the the, the master plan is just that's a planning document but mm -hmm. it's not doesn't have legislative force um, it sort of elaborates on and gives background on um, and discusses the the um, the reasoning behind and the objectives of the legislation so what's really operative though is what's in the ordinance mm -hmm. in particular with respect to the the entitlement process the the resolution updates and expands on the enabling legislation for the committee and provides it significantly more guidance I think in terms of its its role but um, if there's if there's any it, it's in terms of what's been presented to you it's only the ordinance and the resolution that would be legislation okay. in terms of granting of authority and carrying out of action okay maybe I just saw that so designee printed some all over the place but just I think not it's a ordinance. lot yeah I think it's okay. a lot in the I don't believe plan. it's in the ordinance okay. but it's I'm, not, yeah, I'm not yeah. finding it mm -hmm. so thank yeah. you I just want to bring something up here because I'm recalling a moment when I was reading through this the the master plan that I thought I read that the PPAC is a recommending body and then further on in the document I read that it is a it is an approval body and I, I wish that I'd have marked <laughs> the point where I read that it was recommending, but I can't find it now. Is it possible that it was it was written that way, uh, without it being intended that way? Well, the um, in certain cases, the Public Art Committee would be a recommending body to the council. So maybe it's something. It's under different scenarios that it talks about recommending versus decision well as pointed out here in the executive summary on page three it says the public art master plan includes detailed recommendations for enhancing Petaluma's public art I'm not sure that that's that may be what I was referring to and okay. I, I interpreted that as it being a recommended body further down recommended guidelines um, I'm not recommended policies for the accession there, uh, it might be perhaps the recommendations that they're making for the project itself, but not what they're recommending to the. I think those those that term recommendation is different than, for instance, when you're looking at determining that the criteria is met for public art and private development, which we've been talking about. And who are they recommending these to then? Well, these are they're recommending them to the council for adoption of this master plan. As a recommending body or as an approval? Well, ultimately, the discretion to adopt this master plan is the council. So this contains the art committee's recommendations for public art for adoption by the council. Well, council mentioned in his comments that it was an entitling body. Well, well, it's it's sort of like the certs question: Is it a candy or is it a breath mint? I think it's both. Um, so, <laughs> if you look at, um, okay. it, like um, on page eleven of the master plan, it's clear in the master plan, like it's clear in the ordinance, 
and I think the resolution that they're an entitling body when it comes to verifying compliance with the, the public art requirements. Mm -hmm. That's with respect to um, public art and private construction projects. But then if you go forward to page 17 and we're talking about sites for uh, future public art on public property, there's nothing in, in this scheme that allows the public art committee, even though they they um, they um, have responsibility with respect to the the proceeds of the fee to just plunk a piece of public art mm -hmm. on the public's property. That's something they recommend to the council, consistent with the master plan. So that, and I think that's basically how it works with respect to public art in private development, where they play an entitling role versus um, public art in public property where they play a recommending role okay. with respect to something that's got to be approved by the council. This commission is the same thing. We sometimes recommend and we sometimes right. approve. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Okay. Um, another, um, I'd like, I'd just like a little clarification, if I may, on, on the, on the uh, paragraph on page 11 under the, um, the third paragraph up. It says, uh, applicants for private development projects subject to the PAO will require, will be required to Oh, I already did that one, didn't I? It wasn't that one. Move on. I think um, Commissioner Wolper had a question about the topic we were just discussing. Okay. Well, oh. So much, but just we were discussing about the role of the of the Planning Commission and um, uh, in the ISO 18120.B, uh, it just it's talking about the art in terms of scale, material, form, and content. Um, you know its relationship to immediate and adjacent buildings architectural landscaping i mean that's what we do yeah. so it seems to me we would have some overview if it was that type of installation that that had an impact on that you know a mural's not going to have the same impact as a uh, a large sculpture that might need to incorporate lighting or pedestrian walkways it affects circulation it might affect landscaping um, so, I mean, I, I'm, I don't really have a clear answer on how we do this, but at some point it seems like if it's a, a large installation or a, a site-specific installation as opposed to a mural or a bench, that it would want to have some greater overview. Um, Madam Chair and Commissioners, I, I think there's there are going to be some points with respect to particular projects and public art as part of them, that there's unavoidably going to be some overlap between the Planning Commission's role and the Public Art Committee's role. Um, but I think it'll it'll be helpful to bear in mind in that case that what the Public Art Committee is going to be focused on is satisfaction of the um, criteria in the ordinance. And the Planning Commission is going to be focused on uh, building design. Um, and there'll be some places where, where that merges a little bit, but the perspective of the bodies is going to be different. And I don't, and I think if we're a little bit deft about it, which I think staff are, and the committee is in the commission too, um, I think you can play your respective roles in a complementary fashion. Um, because you do have, sh you know, we just talked about this, this commission has shared jurisdiction with the city um, council. Um, same is true with the, with the committee. So. If, if there are particular problems with respect to that that the commission foresees that we can talk about now, happy to do that. I'm not trying to be defensive or forestall that. But I, I think you're right that that's going to occur. Um, and, and it'll still be valid and important for the commission to raise its thoughts about, uh, about 
um, say building design, layout, etc., um, that may that may touch on public art issues in terms of its placement, etc. Well, and and by the same token, I would I would recommend that if if a development or or an art installation becomes a, a more of a larger site specific um, installation that it would be important for it to be incorporated early in the project so all the other elements that might be related to it can be addressed. It, it would be sad to have it decided at the last minute after everything else has been figured out and not really have a place for it. Not the place that maybe it might deserve or you know, it could have been enhanced if we'd known about it sooner or mm -hmm. something like that. So. And that will be a lot of staff's role in talking to the applicants early on. And that's what we want to avoid. If, if, a, if nothing in the site design has really been planned around a large sculpture and then you just plop a large sculpture down, that doesn't really work. And so that's why we're encouraging applicants <coughs> to start thinking about it early, even have some initial consultation with... Mm -hmm the committee to start thinking about it so that the, it can be identified on the site plan, you know, okay, this is a central plaza and we're anticipating having, you know, a, a sculpture in this area so that there is some discussion about right. visibility, landscaping, that kind of stuff around it. Jennifer. Yeah. yeah. That, and I just had a suggestion. Yeah. Um, Having been a liaison in a few committees, I wonder if it might be prudent to have a liaison from planning at meetings where we might want to have uh, some input or we might want to be able to facilitate that conversation during our <coughs> liaison reports. Because I know a lot of times when I see something at PBAC, it's kind of an early entry to what we're going to be seeing ahead. And I feel like I can report like this is on the, this is what's coming ahead. And it's, it's really important to me to be a part of that dialogue because it's something I value. And I wonder is that something that is an option to us or is that is that something that nobody wants to do because I understand it's one more person volunteering their time but and I don't know if the mm -hmm. art committee needs it but I I do think it's a really useful way to create a dialogue outside of here too and be able to report back it's also something that committee members could do at at these meetings so if there if you if the committee had met um, and was starting to um, provide input about a possible mm -hmm. project mm -hmm. to an applicant um, and wanted through staff or directly by attending a meeting wanted to give some uh, an update to the planning commission they certainly could and that could be part of the process informally or formally and, and vice versa you know they're public meetings the committee meetings are public meetings as of now planning is now staffing the public art committee mm -hmm. so we could also help provide that link to um, under planning managers updates provide an update of what the public art committee maybe looked at at their last meeting I mean that's all good but I think the issue is that we want to know have a sense of what kind of art is being proposed on a site when we're doing our SPAR review I don't know. I think that's what I'm saying. I think that's what I'm hearing Commissioner Wolpert saying. And I think that there should be something in the process where it doesn't need to be necessarily identified, like a picture or something, but I think some sense of it's going to be a sculpture that's 15 feet high, or it's going to be a water feature, or it's going to be benches. I just feel like we need to have that information in front of us as part of our review. Well, and for instance, with Deer Creek, that was part of 
the package when it came to this committee. There was the the initial public art plan that had had initial vetting early by the this committee, and that was included. So I think definitely when as much as we can be to that point before it comes here, that's that's our objective. But why isn't it mandatory? I don't understand why it's almost like an encouragement of the applicant. It seems to me it should be a box they have to check. If it's a, if it's a building permit issue, then they should have that in front of us. To the, you know, again, it doesn't need to be a hundred percent, but at least a concept. Well, I think sometimes people also don't have an artist on board before they. I mean, they might have an artist on board on some of the larger ones, but some of them I think are concepts, and they don't actually contract with an artist until they know they're going to get approval you know before mm -hmm. they've got their project approved too so i think it's a balance there but, too. but they would know that they're going to need to have an artist on board well correct can I, can I give another example um lynch creek plaza which is a project that will be coming before this board um we took them very early on to the public art committee because we indicated to them you're going to have to incorporate public art or pay the in lieu fee. They said, oh, well, we're interested in incorporating it on site. We said, excellent. We went to the public art committee and really it was an initial brainstorming dialogue um, to get them started. They don't have an artist, you know, signed up yet. They're not sure, you know, what's going to happen with their entitlements. but. Things are starting, to, yeah, some ideas and some locations were discussed. And that would then be shown on plans that came before this committee. Now, it's not to the point of it's going to be a 15-foot tall sculpture, but it's at least that, that dialogue is starting. So a, a little bit of feedback about that, um, if I may, is it's always going to be staff's job on a project that's coming before the Planning Commission to provide you the complete record on the project at that point, the factual record on the project design, et cetera, that's, as it's relevant to the um, Planning Commission's approval. And so that means you are going to get, you will have to get, and it'll be a staff failing if you didn't get, um, relevant information on the public art if it's, if it's got public art in the design. And sometimes that will maybe more developed and sometimes less, but um, that that will be part of what you get. So, you know, I could see conceivably there could be a situation where um, uh, imagine a very large scale piece, uh, like, I don't know, some kind of obelisk or something, some kind of freestanding piece that is big enough that, and its placement is such that even if you can see that it meets the criteria that are in the in the um, ordinance for public art, like it's durable and it's quality work and all that stuff, it may screw up what for this commission is very important, say traffic flow issues or I don't know something about its placement. Um, so that might be a compliant public art piece, but not acceptable to the planning commission in terms of improving the project design, the layout. Um, so to the extent you see that as part of the package that comes to you it's a totally legitimate and necessary I'm sure you'd, you'd raise that that you know this may meet the art criteria but it doesn't work for us in terms of how it's cited you might also raise concerns about you, you know you may be in a different view than the Planning Commission about scaling in terms of the rest of the project those are also legitimate for you to raise um, you I could also imagine a, a circumstance where project comes before the Planning Commission, it's to have public art as a, as a part of it as opposed to just pay the fee. 
and you feel there's insufficient information, say, about placement or scaling to reach a conclusion, um, and that might be your feedback in terms of not being able to, to reach a conclusion, and that's legitimate too. So because these are, are processes not on the same timeline, they're potentially parallel, um, I think we may need to see how that goes, and, and maybe that it's there are maybe the commission has ideas tonight or ideas may evolve later about how to formalize that better but i think in our normal you know, normal process of doing staff work and the commission doing due diligence i think you'll be able to you you'll need to be able to see for your decision whether you've got adequate information or not to pass on the project or if the um subject matter that's in your area of of, of authority is incomplete for purposes of your decision and you'll and you'll give that feedback and staff anticipating that is going to try to have that be adequate for you i'm sure the committee is going to be trying to do the same thing uh, to the extent they get a chance because the project is far enough along in terms of the the artistic process it just seems like it'd be more fair to the applicant to give be more clear about the expectation at the time that the the plans are submitted to the planning commission so that this all process is in place but you need to be at a general concept, general, you know, five different potential places it might go, whatever. I don't know what those kind of bounds are, but I'm just wondering if within this there needs to be some direction to the applicant of this is at this step, at the time that you go for SPAR, you should have X, Y, and Z idea about your public art. Because it just seems like it's more direct that way to the applicant to know what that expectation is. Because what you're saying is all these, you know, all good, and I'm sure we can direct generally people that way, and it sounds like it's been working, but there's nothing to document that they should be doing that. And will that just avoid headache from that for them? Or Maybe, in the, you know, the more we can do that, the better. So if, 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 if what you're saying is they should be able to know that the Planning Commission is um, in order to grant its entitlement, at least needs to know enough about the pieces or piece as to placement and size and integration so that you can reach a conclusion. Otherwise, you may be unable to and it may add delay. Right. Um, I don't know what the best way to integrate that, if you yeah, have well, ideas. Heather. Annie um, brought up some of the next steps that we've talked about. Um, the, for instance, the handouts and the um, things that would go to the applicant, you know, being handouts on the website, being handouts when we hand out an application, um, being something to include, let's say, in a completeness, incompleteness letter. Um, those are our, mm -hmm. our next steps on really kind of drilling down some of those things, um, having handouts that are helpful, welcoming, um, you know, kind of some of that that public face the PR on it but also what we'd like to see coming in with applications and the level of specificity so that's kind of step some of our next steps that we've talked about doing whether that needs to be codified in the ordinance or one of the reasons we are trying to keep some of it from being codified is to allow flexibility like you'll see in the enabling legislation it talks generally about the process and the uh, kind of ideal process that it would go through, but it doesn't get into real specifics just in terms of allowing that flexibility without having to modify code to some of our thinking. Uh, Madam Chair and Commissioners, one thing that might be he helpful, I'm thinking, Heather, um, is um, when those 
so when some of those materials are ready, it might be useful to present them to the Planning Commission for feedback to see if that's facilitating some of these issues for you or if you have additional thoughts about how, how, that, how they can um, put applicants on notice um, and help them anticipate their process. And as part of that discussion, it may be clearer whether that's an adequate way to address those concerns or there, you know, we need to look at the, at the, at the ordinance. Sure. Yes. I think, you know, w w the thought that comes to mind here with this whole thing and this process is that, and I don't want, I, this is what I don't want to see happen. I don't want to see a private project, a private development project, faced with the dilemma of having to in, pay an in lieu fee versus doing their own art project on site at the uh, equivalent of 1% of the project cost. And that what they present for that independent art project on their site, that it faces some objection along the way. As, but uh, I just want to make sure that if they meet all the criteria that's in, in, the, in the ordinance, it's maintained, it's, you know, it's just, you know, it, it, it satisfies all of these criteria that they can do it, that they can get along and do it, and they can show that the, you know, the cost of doing this project. And if it comes down to a mural on a wall or a balcony railing or something, or the wind, the, maybe, the, maybe the trim around the window as, as an element of art. I mean, I just think that I, I don't want to see a developer stopped from doing their project and not being given their permit, because that's what's in the, in the master plan here, is that they can't get their permit unless they show that they've satisfied this this art element, this this art part of it, that's important. It's important that they're able to move forward. Well, I, yeah, I mean, the, the intention of this and the current code as well is you cannot receive your building permit until you show satisfaction of the code requirement, but it, it's trying to show a clear these are the criteria by which this is going to be reviewed against and if you meet these criteria then the public art committee would confirm that it meets the criteria and that would uh, and be I adequate documentation I, to I move believe forward. this was created to provide clarification it's right. it's kind of making it easier not, for the applicant it's not necessarily making it harder I think it it puts it in a way that that was our intention well, I think that was the intent, but I also think that there's that there's some there's some really important questions here that I don't feel are being satisfied completely, and that is that if a building is designed as a piece of art, and Commissioner Walpert cited that that case that it was he you know that that architect won. This is the art. That building is the art. That should be able to happen. We need room for that. The, I think we've already gone over that. Okay. Council said that in, if it meets the criteria, it could be counted. Okay. And in that case, they'd be issued a building permit and could begin construction. Well, I just wanted to emphasize it. Right. So I think that's what we heard, as long as the criteria met. Okay. I had one other item I wanted to highlight here, and it, on, on page 14 <coughs> of the public art liaison, it says um, in the second sentence, until such time as adequate funding is available from other sources to finance position costs, funding should be provided from the public art fund. Is this a is this liaison a paid position that this being designed into this 
um, the art committee has not had a commit a, a liaison for a, a number of years. I'm not sure if that stopped in 2009. Yeah. Is this a consultant position or a liaison? It's, um, it's a liaison and typically it was with city staff. When, when the art ordinance was originally passed, the city council um, directed city staff to work with the committee just like it does with you mm -hmm. and with Parks and Rec and with all the other committees. Um, when there was a budget crunch, um, staff support was withdrawn from this committee because there was no money. So um, the, the citizens who worked on this public art uh, master plan uh, did it with no staff support for four years. I was not on the committee. I, I helped to uh, write the original ordinance, but I was not on the committee. They worked doggedly with no staff support at all. And they needed staff support in order to help write, answer some of these questions, some of these very um, intelligent questions that you're asking. So as soon as there was some money that appeared in the um, public art fund, you know, there was a commitment made to bring staff back in to support because there was some money to pay for it. And is that what this paragraph is referring to as staff? Yeah, so. As, li as art liaison? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So if there's some other funding source so that the public art committee gets um, staff support just like all the other committees that the, and that the that the city supports, then that money doesn't have to come out it's of clear. the public art fund. It just comes out of the city budget, just like all the rest of the committees. Okay, it, it's it's clarified. It it's re, it reads further on staff person as public art liaison. Thank you. That's all I have. Any other questions, Commissioner Miller? Hi. <laughs> I wanted to inquire, did we uh, involve the Youth Commission in the dialogue over the last several years? That probably, yes, <laughs> I, I do believe we okay. did. So they, um, they had. Uh, I wasn't assigned to talk to them, but I believe one of our committee members were. Oh, great. Oh, that's great. I'm happy to hear that. And then the other question is, when I looked at the map, and I know that council's going to see an updated map, but it was very weighted to the west side. Weighted, yeah. So when that comes back, I mean, I, I can see the, you know, the proposals going forward, and I see things on the east side. And if you walk the urban growth boundary, it's fantastic, and there would be wonderful places over there that, you know, people could really find interesting. There definitely but has. And good, so balance. it'll be, we'll see more balance. Mm -hmm. and, and I should ask about that map. Um, I think what my view of it was current. Will the view going to city council be your vision? Or will it be just a more updated It'll be an version updated of, map. Okay, okay. Um, Okay. But, but recommended sites are in the master plan, yes. which will be a public yes. document. Great. Okay. And then, and I, ju I just wanted to throw in the urban growth boundary there. And then I wanted to get a sense of the allocation. How did you come to the monetary aspect of that? I believe it's on page 12. How did you get to that breakdown? Um, we came up, projected what we thought was needed as well as looking at other master plans and recommendation okay. with um, 
Eric Danley came up with the proportions of what percentage should be allocated where okay. annually. Great. And 10% and seemed uh, low to me in terms of ongoing maintenance, mm -hmm. but it sounds like that's, that's the average across the board from what you've seen in the other funding programs. That is, and, and fortunately for what we have existing now, it's, it's been adequate. Okay. Oh, great. And then I, my last, probably a most pertinent concern and question is ongoing funding. So we hit a downturn in the future. It's inevitable. It ebbs and flows. And then we lose funding for this very, very important art fund. And I'm wondering what other sources do we look at outside of development? Do we look at grants? We could look at grants, NEA grants. Um, to this point, we have been functioning without very much, very many funds. Um, the two pieces, Cherry Soda and Double Eagle, came to us through a loan, and that's outlined as as permissible in the master plan as well. Mm -hmm. Great. And I, I was thinking about when I travel, and some of the cities I've been to have, uh, as part of the taxing program, the TOT tax, which is trans-oriented tax, they fold in art fund. So it's another thought for us in the future in terms of raising revenue to get into this art fund would be through the TOT tax program. So thank you. Thank you, staff. Thank you. Thank you all so much. This is fantastic. Thank you. I have more questions, and I actually <laughs> want to go back to the 25%. That seemed really high to me, so I'm thinking for the administrative costs and outreach that it was really printing materials and the liaison position. Is there something else that's included there? I glazed over on the page. <laughs> Can you oh, tell me? it's on 12. Sorry. Okay. So 65% for the art itself, 25% for administration and outreach, and 10% for maintenance. So I, I speak, I'm coming from a place of ignorance, so I'm not questioning you other than just curious if that's really reasonable. I don't know exactly how they came up with these numbers, to be totally honest with you. And I, mean, I, do, I don't honestly have a recollection either. I think I think uh, the city manager might have worked on that with the committee. Um, yeah, I believe it was the city manager. The administration is paid partially the liaison, and it's not 25% yeah. right now. It's way high. 25% is more than, yeah. than what's allocated. But in the future, if there was a project where... Um, we had a call for artists and more time of the liaison was required and the city could lend more time. I think there's flexibility there. We had talked about increasing or decreasing, reviewing the amount allocated for the liaison. Um, outreach too is um, if we do a public forum, educating community somehow on public art. So. I believe it's open to interpretation but but that outreach is a, a key aspect for for the program to have support Annie would that also include um, the committee's been talking about doing like a, a color brochure something similar to I think we looked at the one from Santa Rosa where it kind oh, of well. maps out all the public arts and you know a colorful brochure uh, that's that part could, of outreach. that could be under that as well some of those kind of public public outreach mm -hmm. um, so graphic designer might be called in if there's need okay. for I'll just leave it as I think it's high a nice glossy um, on page 15 under the maintenance costs 
So what we're saying on that previous page was that it's about a 10% of the art, you know, we're roughly saying it's a 10% to maintain our art of whatever the cost of the art was because it's all based on what's in the fund. Then on page 15, this is for a developer or an applicant that's going to maintain their own piece of public art and they're responsible for that maintenance. And, I'm, and so assuming that it's 10% of the cost of the piece of art, are, does that count towards their one percent? I guess what I'm saying is, when they're when you're figuring out, okay, you have a five hundred thousand dollar project, so they have to spend what fifty that was that fifty thousand five thousand dollars on a piece of art. Then does uh, does five hundred of that have to be? You know what I mean? Can they take that out? Right, right. I, I believe they have a maintenance plan going forward from from that one percent. Um, it, it wouldn't fall in the city the public funds to be responsible for the maintenance of that right but this is for calculating the developer's property. obligation on site so if they mm -hmm. have to demonstrate that they've spent one percent of their project cost on their public art does that one percent also include the cost they anticipate for maintenance or is it just for the piece itself so I don't think the answers here if you can find it that's great but I think we do need to clarify what's meant there okay yeah in addition to that Sorry, the deaccession of a of an of a piece of work that is put on a private project has a ten year life. If the mm -hmm. if the developer chooses to remove it, they can. Is that how I read that? Is that how I understand that correctly? Um, on private property, uh, and where is it referenced? I'm sorry. It was in the deaccession. <coughs> It talked about um, a ten-year, if that it that a piece of art had to stay on site for at least ten years before now, it would be considered for deaccession. Yeah, and I believe that's on public public art on public property. That's on that's a public art on public property, not not on private property. Not on private property. So. I I I missed that. I was focused on. I I think the answer to your question chair under definition of public art cost it does not include maintenance in what what is defined as the public art cost it includes design development acquisition execution and installation but it doesn't include maintenance that's are you seeing that on 18.30 H. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Right, but it says it includes but not limited to. So it. So I mean, I guess that could be a, a maybe that should be something that's clarified. Yeah, I think we just um, need to be clear and, about and that. Because for not super expensive big projects, it could be in the thousands of dollars. That could change the type of art we're able to receive. So sh the recommendation would be to specify that it shall not include maintenance ongoing maintenance yeah. costs. Okay, that's fine. I mean, one of the uh, public art criteria is that maintenance is supposed to be minimal, but I think it's helpful right. to clarify yeah. what, mm -hmm. what's meant in the definition. So is the, you're suggesting that the recommendation will be to indicate that it excludes maintenance? Okay. The calculated cost of the art. I have um, some more questions too. Um, 
um, under gateways, or actually going back to the cost of that and the um, removal of art, it talks about it having to be of equal value. But assuming we're 10, 20 more years down the road, shouldn't it be of equal value as inflated for the current dollar? So in other words, if it was $5,000 in 1970, I don't want a $5,000 piece of art in 2020. Okay, and because I, I, don't, I don't think we addressed that specifically, so no, that it's, um, we'd be happy it's to. It's actually in the ordinance itself. No, um, eighteen one six zero. Okay, no, I just meant in or terms of seven zero. Um, sorry, a replacement okay. of public art. Right. <laughs> one seven zero. Oh, this is public. Okay, so maybe I won't. Well, this is public. I mean, it's all considered public art, whether it's on private or public, right? The That's public art cost of the replacement public art. Well, I just think we need to clarify what what kind of costs will be really holding people to. So you, you're, the suggestion is that you're, you're looking at eighteen point one seven zero, and you're suggesting that it, like it's say, for example, in present dollars or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how you do that. You I mean you'd have to have someone value it. I mean, yeah, at that point, it'd be probably not that valuable. But at some it point, it had sense. value, and mm -hmm. you'd want to sure. replace it at the similar value. Well, and it's it's very true. Valuation. One of the things we found, like in dealing with the loan agreements, valuation is tricky because mm -hmm. sometimes they, art doesn't depreciate in the normal way. Sometimes it appreciates astronomically, and sometimes it doesn't. It depends on the artist's reputation and but that it, kind of yeah, stuff. So but yeah, so it doesn't necessarily be current value. It's more at the time that that art was approved, what was the value of it in those dollars, and then what would be the equivalent value of that in today's dollars, and that's what it should be replaced with. I would hope we weren't having to replace an extremely valuable piece of art. <laughs> I would hope that would be one that doesn't get replaced. But I just don't want to see over time the degradation of the art because we're able to replace it with things that are, you know, comparatively less valuable. Um, and then on um, the gateways portion of the plan, does this apply to all the gateways? I didn't go back to the general plan to really look at it, but it did seem that um, there are some gateways, for instance, the D Street Gateway or Bodega, if that's considered one, that maybe wouldn't necessarily okay. fit within. I mean, it this is private property home out there. Well, yeah, I, but there I could be believe we said gateways leaving it open for the changing structure you know it could be new gateways added at some point right and it just lists examples i think with that mm -hmm. in mind just examples it's not exclusive but again when, when we give those that feedback we're not trying to debate it with the committee if you have direction for us we're happy to hear it well i guess my concern is um like i'm um i don't let's say that there's going to be like what if there's a public um, property um, on Bodega, for example, it's rural, and the city wants to put a piece of art there. I mean, it, it just seems, is that where our money, is that where we should be investing? So I'm not, I'm less concerned about things that get developed and that art gets incorporated, but more concerned about, well, I guess that goes back to your criteria about is it appropriate Massing and so that's okay. So I'm good with. Well, that. and also so remember, they're going to be about. they're going to be recommending it to the, the council, council. So the council is right. going to get to decide okay. that very question. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. You just brought you just brought up another point. What about a property that uh, a privately owned piece of property that's um, 
in a in a it's not residential it can be developed for re commercial use it is not developed and the owner wants to put a piece of artwork on that piece of property what does what does that owner have to do do they do they have to submit it to the PPAC like Larry Jonas statue is a good example like probably. what Right? So, just, so they've just got an undeveloped piece of private property, commercially it's an zoned, piece of private property and they want to put art on it you know, somewhere in town. And there's a piece of art. There's somebody who wants a piece. Somebody wants to put a piece of artwork. And, on and it. it's not because they're do doing a development that triggers the public art requirement. Right. They just want to put art. How do you? How's they'd be? They'd be free to do it subject to applicable zoning requirements. Yeah, like I, I think that the Phoenix, the um, uh, the Ricky Watts um, mural on the Phoenix. Mm -hmm. is a good example that just happened that was not a requirement of development mm -hmm. um, it was just they wanted to do a public an, a mural um, we encouraged them to uh, consult with the public art committee but there was no specific requirement it, there was no zoning that triggered any sort of review it wasn't a requirement <coughs> So they they could have they could have done the mural and not said anything to anybody. Yes. Paint their building. Yep. Exactly. It's private They're property. Painting it's painting. Building. But on a vacant piece of property, is there any distinction made there, where a piece of artwork is installed? Again, if if it's if it's some kind of improvement that triggers a building code requirement, a building permit, or triggers some kind of an entitlement. Then it, that's going to have to be sought, and if it's not sought, then it may be subject to enforcement. But if it doesn't, then then it's the property owner is free to free to um, establish it. Okay, and that you brought up another point, and it was a question that I did have, and had to do with <laughs> building code because there's a reference in the master plan about a project that is proposed, an art project that is proposed, that it has to meet building code. Is there a building code for art? Well, it depends on, I think, what, what type of art it would be. No, not a mural, you know, painting on the side of a building, but if it's a statue, Sculpture. Mm -hmm. I would think that you probably need to check wind loads or safety to make sure the way it's attached or constructed. Supported. Well, I have a question about that, too, because it talks about sculptures and roundabouts, and so that seems pretty potentially unsafe for me, and there's nothing in the criteria here that evaluates the safety of a structure, so is that just... I, well, it has I, to meet I, I all applicable building really code requirements. Mm -hmm. so, okay, so we couldn't that. block visibility. Okay. Yes, and, okay. and I haven't okay. researched those. I'm sure there are some, some with respect to load and support that would apply, yeah. but, okay. but we could well, I know um, Christo had to do a lot of a lot of you know stats to get his fence put up, and he got through it. But he he supplied the numbers, and I'm just wondering there must have been some code he was going by, or, or yeah. So that's that that is one of the um, the criteria. Criteria G is that art must meet all applicable. But does the city have a building code for art specifically? No, no. And and remember the 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 uniform the California Building Standards Code process is it's, it's done by the state every three years. It applies automatically in the local jurisdictions, who then can adopt um, geographically specific local changes to the statewide code um, supported by required findings about things like climactic conditions and, and susceptibility, susceptibility to liquefaction of the soil and seismic conditions and that kind of stuff, fire, fire danger. 
um, but otherwise that's a statewide scheme and so it is what it is and they'll and the you know if it's useful for the Commission to get some feedback on what parts of the uniform code might apply to sculptures or something that that's an answerable question I don't have that information tonight though um, it, it applies to everything trust him it, it flagpoles I mean just everything you can imagine it's it's covered yeah what about um, the 50 why are residential projects of 50 units are more excluded from this is that uh, I don't know that was an original that part was in of the, the original ordinance no, no residential well at all right, right. but then there's a there's the author okay <laughs> sorry um, when uh, you know it's interesting because the history of the public art effort in town goes back probably at least 10 years and there was a tremendous amount of community outreach and public education that involved you know thousands of people in the community we came to the council we um, as part of the Petaluma Arts Council um, we actually went um, during the time where, where there was actually a lot of building going on in town it seemed like um, a really good moment to seize the opportunity to be able to um, create projects in town that were better that spoke to our history spoke to creating a unique sense of place creating um, a, the true sense of who Petaluma is as a unique place in the world and um, we looked at probably there's there were at that point 400 other cities and towns that had successful public art programs and we looked at many many of those models to really try and take best practices from um, things that had been done from years and years in other places so we didn't have to try and make it up as we went along here and so there was a really a lot of work um, we we worked with the city of San Jose and consultants from San Francisco and their public art projects and we really tried to look um, at at the different aspects that we're discussing here came to the City Council the City Council had a lot of really tough and questions they were interested there were good questions but they said we want to make sure that the community supports us and the developers think it's a good idea for them so we actually um, went back we worked on it with city staff they told city staff to help us and we did a public education campaign we went to the rotaries to the chamber to um, the developers and we really there was a real community conversation about public art that happened at that time and it was originally written for both residential and commercial development and um, when it came down to it um, there wasn't not enough support to include people that were building a small residential development so we went with the commercial and you know we we did everything we, we could at that point to encourage developers to put public art in their own projects because we think it makes better projects it so it makes whatever we develop in Petaluma uh, better and it adds value to the developers and I think you know Basin Street ended up being the the developer who who decided to support it that actually um, was the gave it the momentum to actually pass council at that point so and then we hit the recession and we've had since 2008 where there has been no development and no money has come in and there's been very little um, activity for the public art 
fund. And during that time, we've had this small group of um, community volunteers that have dedicatedly worked on this master plan. I have to say I was not among them. So I just respect that with no staff support and no money in the fund, nobody was really interested in it because there wasn't any money. Um, they have just worked their hearts out to make this happen. And um, I think we're so well poised now because now there's money in the fund. Now everybody's interested in it. <laughs> and now we have the structure in place that has been worked on that gives us you know, this vessel to go forward and do some really wonderful uh, community art, both encouraging developers to do the best job that they can do. And I'm so happy to see that we have staff who is um, doing good communication with the developers from the beginning so that the so that the art is an integral part of the big thinking of the whole project. They're not just, as Bill said, just popping something in at the end. Uh, that was never the intention. And that there is actually um, money in the public art fund to start to do some projects in our public areas. Um, I'm the liaison now from the public art, I mean from the uh, Petaluma Art Center, and we um, are you know excited to get this passed so we can start the community conversation again, do a forum, present the master plan, and get lots of good ideas that are now coming forth from the community to go forward and do some good public art projects. So that was a really long-winded answer, but <laughs> Madam Chair, yeah, <laughs> uh, just on that subsection of the code, I also want to point out that that was one of the changes. Um, the way it's currently written in the ISO is that uh, it says that private residential projects of 50 or more may choose to voluntarily participate, and we have proposed a modification that said strongly encourage to participate for the larger residential projects. I, yeah, I mean I it's mean. not changing it, but it's <laughs> right. well obviously any residential project can choose to participate, right. but wanting to also emphasize that the larger residential, we'd really like to see some public art incorporated without changing that policy direction that was set when this was originally adopted. But if that would be the recommendation too, that recommendation could be forwarded. Can we recommend it if the, you know all of us agree with it, can we recommend it for consideration by council versus saying we think it should have, but just, hey, flag it and say, revisit that policy decision you made? Yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah. Sure. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of background I don't have. I don't know. But it would be useful for you guys to think about that and the kind of developments we're seeing now, now that things, it seems like it's a shift. Sure, and, and also I didn't hear a, like there was an actual policy rationale as to why. I mean, already if you look at the um, exemptions, it includes affordable housing. So I'm not sure why, what the logic would be as to why public art would be less desirable in a large residential project than a large commercial project. Maybe, and maybe there's more background on that. So but it seems to me that's fair game for this commission to consider in its recommendation to the to the council and for them to also consider yes I, I you know I think that um, as a committee member at this point I think um, we want to get the uh, public art master plan approved so that we can start to move on some of these projects and then to go back and and revisit you know 
making it uh, required for uh, residential projects would certainly be a great goal to have in the future. I think uh, it makes me nervous so that we not uh, get held up for any longer because it's really taken a long time for the master plan to get to you at this point. So I. Would this affect the master As a committee, plan? we would love to have, right. you know, move forward with that, you know, as we continue with the master plan, but to not have the rethinking the whole ordinance be what holds up the approval of the master plan right now. It would not need to hold up the master plan. We can forward that should this commission make that recommendation. We can forward that encouragement to the council to reconsider that policy, but it's not directly tied to the master plan. And that, that, that recommendation would be to rethink or revisit the application of public art to residential projects? Greater than 50. Is that what we're talking greater about? Greater than 50 units. Hmm? Greater than 50 units. Greater than 50 units. Residential projects greater than 50 units. Where did the 50 units come from? It seems like a good number. It, it's yeah. the way it's kind of broken out already in the code. It's in the ordinance. It's at 18.08. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wouldn't agree with that. Eight I, don't, zero. I, don't think, I think it, I, when I saw the residential was out of this, I thought that's fine. I mean, you, you know, the, it's putting the stamp on everything, it, it seems, that the effort's being made. Yeah. I want to bring up the point about uh, that was a, a late, a late uh, letter that we got. <coughs> uh, Susan Starbird asked that the Petaluma Waterways be used as the language instead of Petaluma River Trail, just so that we don't lose sight of that. Yes, and, and I did check in with Annie on that, and it doesn't seem to be any objection okay. to that language problem yeah. change. Okay. And well, I was glad to see Schallenberger's not on this list. That's, that's good, too. The, the larger... Editorial. Um, <laughs> do, do you want to discuss this letter? Can I? Yeah, we should. The, the, um, They've got that was a pretty s small language change mm -hmm. um the the kind ones. of number two in the letter is to designate a petaluma waterways as a special art district mm -hmm. and this hasn't been discussed with the art committee um there's there's nothing in the art master plan that would preclude a lot of what's outlined in this letter from happening as part of a project um you know some of the the places that art could be placed, the type of art that could be placed. There's nothing in the master plan that precludes this. It just doesn't require this. So um, because this hasn't gone before the art committee, because the art committee has been working so diligently to get this master plan finished and adopted, um, staff would. I agree with Heather. This is something that could be revisited to revise the master plan later after they have a chance to coordinate with you guys and make sure that language is worked out versus mm. us trying to dictate it from here. That's correct. And it's also something Petaluma Waterways can advocate to the our committee as part of their deliberations and their actions. So as Heather says, it's not precluded. But just for the sake of clarification, what they're asking for in in being included is just that it's a um, it's like a roadway or a pedestrian way or a bicycle path. People entering Petaluma and we by do, boat. Yeah. We do already cite the the waterway now as the new terminology, but 
the Petaluma River, how we used it, the wording in the past. So I, I agree. We don't. It's under gateways. I don't, I don't think this is any new, but I, I believe the master plan already permits us to cite artwork, and I would look forward to working with them on um, identifying areas in the future. Okay. The um, in 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 your map, you show you show the area where artwork exists, correct? Correct, and and again, that needs to be updated. But but is your public art realm everything within the urban growth boundary? What is is there an area that you concentrate on other than gateways and? Well, we do concentrate on the, the city itself, so like centers, plazas, so that would be um, high impact where lots right. of people come together. Other than that, we, we spread it out, the gateways, parks, um, so that would be further out from our city core. Right. Um, and the, the river is certainly a part yeah, I have to say I like the idea of, of arriving to town by boat and, you know, you just have those <laughs> wetlands for miles and then begin to see little mm -hmm. artworks out there in the middle of nowhere that would that would begin to tell you you're entering Petaluma or it might it might identify Schollenberger Park or it might identify <laughs> Yeah. No, that's not a shipwreck. That's not, um anyway. I think a dialogue would be good. I think I think there's some some good um, interaction that could take place. I agree. Yeah. And the Petaluma River is identified as a is one of the right. examples of a right. gateway. So again, it that's something like what you said could could occur under the current language in the in the master plan. It doesn't preclude something like that, and even calls out Petaluma River, calls out what will now say Petaluma Waterways. Of it just—it seems like a unique opportunity wh where you kind of expect to see art in a city core, but maybe not out in a wetland somewhere. Mm -hmm. You want to see it out there? I want to be careful about this. Be, be careful what you <laughs> yeah, ask yeah. for. No, I know, I know. We, you, you know, could, we have you somebody have a who's big, got international flags all of. All yeah, it couldn't have that. a big installation. Anyway, just just the concept, I think, is intriguing. It, it, we're on the edge of a slippery slope. Not me. <laughs> the bank of a river. <laughs> Are there any additional comments? I think, I'm not sure we've had anything too substantive as far as changes in anything. I don't think there's any changes in the plan itself we've been, we've recommended, right? And I'm, I'm totally comfortable with seconding you on recommending to council about the residential just recommendation that they reconsider that at some point because I think it's an important way that we can still be adding funds in the future it speaks to what you had stated earlier. Chair? Yes. You need to open public comment. Oh, thank you. Is anybody here from the public that would like to speak? Seeing none, I'll close public hearing. Thank you. <laughs> um, the only thing in the master plan is the 1% clarification on costs needs to be in the, in the plan itself, or is that just an ordinance issue? It, it seems like it'd be ideal to leave the master plan alone if we can. In terms of maintenance, is that what you mean? Yeah. That I think it... We agreed that we would... I, well, I think we agreed we would clarify that the costs are not a maintenance costs. Mm. So it's on page 15 of the plan, but 
it doesn't really cut it doesn't actually say anything about one percent it just says that they're responsible so it's not inconsistent okay is there anything about the plan itself can we take it like that start with the plan and that way um maybe bring the, some well the one you know you bring up the one percent thing is there a maximum on that or is it one percent of whatever the cost is on a project it, it's one percent of the project costs so if you if if we happen to be fortunate enough to get a hundred million dollar project in in Petaluma, yeah, looking at a hundred thousand dollar art project, much of Sorry, what what you right, the committee is seeing in their fund now is from the East Washington Place because they decided not to incorporate public art on their site. Who, they who paid the in lieu fee. See, so that's a big that is a big shock to me because we went through a whole review about the public art in the plaza coming off the pedestrian bridge. So now they're not going to have public art on that site. No, they presented this public is, art. This is exactly this they is presented exactly us my issue. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, Does your your hundred million dollar project is going to come from a fifty home development of two million dollar homes apiece in like twenty thirty? So. There you go. <laughs> so, so um, um, in the in the draft here, this draft public art master plan, um, that it defines all of these different areas uh, in the urban uh, design context for parks, for um, plazas, for pathways, and uh, such. Does that mean that because they're in here that they are targeted for art projects? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So what? What our findings of what was important? Um, in any I don't particular think it, order? No particular order. We could alphabetize it. Do we also need to re have the plan um, <clears throat> modified to incorporate the waterway language? Yeah, I have that down. The Petaluma Waterways changing okay. the tra the river trail to the Petaluma Waterways, page twenty one. Mm -hmm. So that's the only edit or only change we're making to the master plan, I think. Right? Okay. Is there a motion for that? Do so moved. Are there, wait, wait. Do you want to go to the resolution? Well, actually, I wanted to, um, Madam Chair, if I could, the resolution uh, that's before the Planning Commission um, has. Two action items. Three. I'm flipping to it. Right. There's, well, there's, three, there's three action items. And, and we have multiple resolutions. No, you have one resolution recommending all three of these. Okay. Items. There's one for your action tonight, okay. your recommendation action. And it seems like, um, it, do, do, if I could ask the planning manager, do you think it's best to actually incorporate this direction in the resolution? Um, because what I'm flipping to it and not finding it, of course. We uh, we could add it in um, that it with the following modifications. So there's Can we add that into the resolution. Yes, and I think they'd go in this in the the paragraph that says be it further resolved the second action item because the first one just says the commission finds the master plan the proposed amendments and the um, to the ordinance and the enabling legislation in conformity with the general plan and that the documents implement policy 6b29 so I, I don't think there's any any right. 
anything to suggest that that wouldn't be the um, the Planning Commission's finding, but if so, we can certainly receive direction about that. But the next paragraph says um, uh, the the proposed amendments to the zoning ordinance, the modifications to enabling legislation, procedural guidelines are hereby referred to the Petaluma City Council for consideration and findings in accordance with Section 25.010 of the Implementing Zoning Ordinance. Seems to me that that's where we may want to list recommendations with the um, following recommended modifications and then we can do them by document that'd be perfect I think. okay so we have down with the master plan that one language change right change from river trails to waterways yep right can we see these changes go before we make a, a motion and vote on this see them have this come back to us no we could they're they're changing river trails to waterways in the master plan. No, there was some other thing. That's all we're about. talking about on the master plan. That's the only thing that's on the master plan. The master plan. Now we're going to talk about the ordinance changes. I know you hate this, but trying to move it forward. So I'd like to see it move forward, and I think that the, I think that there were a lot. There was a lot of really good discussion, and there was a lot of questions that were brought up. That well, if we go forward with this, it's it's kind of like. Uh, I, too, gates. I too am generally not a fan of legislating on the fly at a public meeting, but I think we've been taking notes and these concepts are pretty discreet. So They're um, concepts, not edits, I think, that we're providing. So, And I think that's what makes Commissioner Elias nervous, that the concept doesn't get edited correctly. But Well, we can talk about them further. I mean, I, I've, I think I have a note on what's going to be recommended in terms of the public art cost and the maintenance question, but we... We maybe should touch maybe each of these. Maybe we should run well, through them and decide after we've run right. through them. If I think, the, given if the constraints that's the, on staff for you know the time that they would have to put into this, uh, if it goes the way it is, and there are changes that come up, or there's a need for changes that come up in the future, I don't see. I just I'm concerned that those changes would be very difficult to get before the commission again. Given what we're given, what we're asked to do right tonight, with with this, the the draft master plan, which I think needs more work, I think it's I think I don't think it's framed sufficiently enough. I don't think I think there were a lot of questions in it, and um, I'm just I'm not real comfortable with it. I know you don't like this, but can we just can we make a motion outside the resolution? I know that we really like resolutions, but I do think it in this instance is necessary to move forward on the plan and then the ordinance language, and if we need to say if they're consistent with the general plan, each piece. But right now they're grouped. So, so can in we other just words, you want to act separately on the documents? Is that what you mean? Yeah, I want to act separately. I want to say I want a motion about um, whether or not the commission um, believes that the master plan is consistent with the general plan. And an adoption, or you know, recommendation of adoption of that, and then I w separately want to do the same for um, Section 18 of the ISO. Okay. Eric, correct me if I'm wrong, but couldn't we break them up into three separate resolutions? Y yes, because the recitals don't need to change. Yeah. So, and um, then when the chair um, would sign those, she can. Yep. She can verify so that they accurately represent. But we just essentially, if we take the motions, most. Yes. We'll we'll break it up into three different so resolutions. So we we just have to be careful about how we phrase the motions, but they can have they can be to approve resolutions. Okay. So, so can we start with the master plan? Is there a motion for that? I'll make a motion to move forward with the master plan. Is that all you need? Uh, no. I, what I would suggest is um, that we have a motion 
regarding the master plan, the title would change slightly. Be uh, uh, to to approve a resolution of the city of Petaluma Planning Commission recommending the city council adopt the Petaluma Public Art Master Plan. That's and it. That's Perfect. it. Yep. And then the recitals that are in the copy in the council's in the in the planning commission's package. Um, and that the first action item in the resolution state um, the planning commission hereby finds that the proposed public art master plan is in general conformity. Wait, that's that's an exhibit. Which exhibit is that? Exhibit Heather? A. Uh, exhibit A of this resolution is in general conformity with the Petaluma General Plan 2025. I'm sorry, in that um, the public art master plan implements policy 6P29 by integrating public art into the planning entitlement process, and be it further resolved by the planning commission that the public art master plan is hereby referred to the Petaluma City Council for consideration and findings in accordance with section 25.010 of the implementing zoning ordinance with the following recommended change. Yeah, I don't think we're going to reference 25.010 because that has to do with zoning code amendments. Okay, fine. So, I'm but sorry, for consideration, um, for consideration with the following change. Yes. And and omitting 25010? Right, yes. it, just in that recital, it will not, in that be it further resolved, we won't reference 25010 because that specifically talks about. I, I can reread that paragraph if you'd like. We can, I, I, think I think we can, yeah, I think yeah. we can do this. Thank you. Uh, at the. So, with the following change, and then would you uh, like to state the change? Yeah, to the master plan that the, uh, Petaluma River Trail be replaced by Petaluma Waterways. So Thank you. Second. Okay. And um, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Opposed. Okay. Second piece is the IZO section, um, chapter 18. And in this instance, um, the comments had to do with finances primarily, valuation of decommissioned art, and of the clarification of 1%. Um, or excuse me, of the maintenance cost not included as part of the cost of the art. Is yes. there anything else in Chapter 18 that we need to modify? Just those two? Wasn't there also the encouragement of council to reconsider the requirement? Yeah, but that's, is, that's, not an, that's, not an, that's not a change in the... It would be. It would be, it but would to the be. this is all recommendations of the council. Yes. Okay. And it's so outlined so it's in, three. The in the... Okay. Are we going to vote on that separate? Or? Do you want to? Do, do we need a straw vote for these individual pieces? Is there? I'm, I'm comfortable with not doing it, but I just want to make sure. Okay. 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 So then. Do you want us to walk through that rezo? Um, well, simil similar changes. Can, can we say that? That the, that the motion would be. Uh, resolution of the City of Petaluma Planning Commission recommending the City Council amend the text of Chapter 18 of the City of Petaluma Implementing Zoning Ordinance. Yes. Similar changes to, I guess it would just be the now therefore be it resolved that the Planning Commission hereby finds that the proposed amendments to the City's Implementing Zoning Ordinance Chapter 18 
are in general conformity with the Petaluma general plan exhibit exhibit B and C oh, okay oh right okay of, the, of this resolution general conformity with general plan and that these documents implement this that the text amendments implement policy 6p29 by integrating public art into the planning entitlement process and be it further resolved that the Planning Commission by the Planning Commission the proposed amendments to chapter 18 of the implementing zoning ordinance are hereby referred to the Petaluma City Council for consideration and findings in accordance with section 25010 of the implementing zoning ordinance with the following recommended modifications right. and it would be to 18030H right. to specify that public art sh costs shall not include ongoing maintenance 18080 to encourage the council to reconsider the policy of public art not applying to residential properties projects of 50 units or more and 18170A that replacement should be equivalent to the original costs of the public art requirement and we'll, uh, we'll kind of play with the language uh, but, but if that said in present dollars adjusted yeah. replacement adjusted yeah. to That'll inflation interesting language good luck but yeah I think you have that but that's concept. the intention right is that we're not degrading the value of the art over time right right the current value of the art yeah in present dollars time at the time yeah. well we no, at the no. time that it's put in place because the thing is if you're if you're taking art out potentially maybe the value of the art maybe the art has been damaged or there's something causing you to take it out so you don't want a current value of that art what I meant was the current value of the replacement art or or the the replacement art is yes the value of the replacement art is adjusted based on the cost of the original art may I make a suggestion yes. so if we look at the language in a I think if it said this is 18.170 a of the draft ordinance if it said the public art cost of the replacement public art shall be equal to in present dollars or greater than the public art cost of the public art to be removed so so you would have the to take time that that art was installed yeah right but the public art cost that's a defined term and so that would be we'd actually have a record of what that was Okay. From of those dollars, right? Okay. So, so if if it was like imagine one of the Dupont libraries or something like that, it cost three hundred thousand dollars, is now worth, you know, five million or something. Right. And that's it. Would be five million would be the replacement. And how is how how does this language um, define that? How how does it encapsulate that idea? Because it's 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 defining what the replacement public art cost is in relation to the public art cost as defined in the ordinance which is the acquisition cost equal to or greater than the public art cost of the public art to be removed uh, I suggested equal to in greater than um, in present dollars or greater than yeah you guys understand yeah, what we're I mean, think so we mean so you don't have, need to we have the intention yeah. and we can okay okay is there a motion for that so moved Second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Let's go. Aye. 
I'm all right with that. Are you opposed? As long as, long as it's as long as that's what we know what we mean when we when we replace that art. Okay. Are you? I didn't get that though. Are, did Did you? Are Are you opposed or in favor of that resolution? I'm in favor of this. Okay. Okay. So then and that captures all three changes, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. And then I that think leaves the resolution. The next one would be resolution of the City of Petaluma Planning Commission recommending the City Council approve modifications to the public art enabling legislation and procedural guidelines. Do I need to, Eric, do I need to read it into the record again? Uh, it's best if you okay. do. I'm sorry. It's now, therefore, yes. it be it resolved that the Planning Commission hereby finds that the proposed amendments to the Public Art Committee's enabling legislation, Exhibit C of this resolution, are in general conformity with the Petaluma General Plan 2025, and that these documents implement Policy 6P29 by integrating public art into the planning entitlement process, and be it further resolved by the Planning Commission that the Modifications to the Public Art Committee's enabling legislation and procedural guidelines are hereby referred to the Petaluma City Council for consideration. So moved. Do we have any changes proposed? I didn't hear No, any. but I'm just noticing that these are saying exhi exhibits A through A, B, and C, and it's actually exhibits one, two, and three. Just okay. Sorry. I don't think I've so. A is let's not one, repeat all that. B is two. No, let's right. Do, let's yes. Okay. The record will still reflect. Yes. Thank you, Madam okay. Chair. <laughs> I was like looking for C, and I'm like, no. Okay. Sorry. Is there a second? Did I get one? Don't move. Second. Okay. All those in favor? Aye. 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 And opposed? Okay. That's unanimous as well. So, all of them pass separately with some modifications to. The first, the first and second. Yes. That's right. Okay. And with that, we will adjourn. Thank you. M Madam yes. Chair, before you do, if, could I just add a quick comment? Um, it echoes what we heard from the committee members tonight. They really have been kind of an orphan committee for a long time. And um, there was a tremendous amount of effort really on their own to get us this point. And it, it was a good deal of staff effort too, but, um, but it, it pales in comparison to what they put forth and their patience and so I know we're all grateful for that and it's we're really glad to be at this point for them so that they can actually uh, take their really good energy and commitment to the community and and have it have it be realized in the community in visible ways um, um, that's already happened actually with the, the loan dart I mean a lot of people don't realize that that's a result of the committee's effort but it can happen in a much more profuse kind of way so you know on, on the part of my office and staff I'm really grateful for the chance to be at this point and for the committee's efforts thank you thank you thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.